Our This Week in XR podcast is sponsored by our friends at Sapper, the world's leading augmented reality platform and creative studio. With over 11 years of experience working with the world's biggest brands through Zapper Creative Studio. Zapper also has an award-winning web AR platform, Zapworks, that lets you create your own mobile AR magic. Finally, check out their Zap Box, the most affordable mixed reality headset on the planet. Start creating AR over at zap.works or talk to them about your next AR project at zapper.com. Good morning, everybody. I'm Charlie Fink here with Roni Avabitz, and thank God Ted Shilowitz is back with us today. It's the 20th of April, 2023. Welcome back, Ted. Uh, it's great to see your still picture and hear your very much alive voice. Thank you, Charlie. Thanks, Roni. Uh, this, I feel like this is part of my cathartic uh, process of returning to the real world. I, I was giving it my my everything to see if I could be on camera today. It just wasn't quite happening yet but that'll be my goal for next week uh but you know in short order i am recovering there are definitely some twists and turns in the road uh it is not a straight line to recover from a major heart surgery uh, i was back at ucla all day yesterday uh doing a whole bunch more tests and learning more things and figuring out more things but the good news is that things are moving in the right direction i'm recovering i have more strength in my body and my voice and i will do my best to be an active participant in today's discussion. Thanks for keeping me on. <laughs> hey, Ted, we're just happy to, to have you even in voice form. Yes, it is, it's, it is great. I, I'm just not ready quite to be looked at yet. If people would like, oh my God. Um, but next week, I think I'll be uh, hopefully a little bit back to, uh, to video and picture um, and voice form. So I'm looking forward to chatting about today's events. Well, this is pretty amazing, Ted, because it hasn't even been a week, and here you are on the podcast, so. Yeah, well, you know, we've done it in, in some form. Actually, the comedy, like, of course, what people didn't see when I was, I think it was pre-surgery in the hospital, was they were, during the podcast, I'm like, yeah, Charlie, let's go for it, and we'll do the podcast. Um, <laughs> during the surgery, they did an x-ray, a CT scan, uh, two blood draws and one other procedure I can't even remember while all I did was just go on mute they're like are you doing something right now I'm like it's fine just go ahead do it. <laughs> <laughs> like, it was almost like the ridiculous of that of that was almost comical and truthfully comedy makes this go better for anybody that's been through any kind of serious medical procedure that is you know it is life-changing right they are saving your life um, the thing that I know it's very it's very like commonplace, trite sort of thing to say, but the thing that matters the most is having good people around you that care and make you smile and make you laugh and the comical moments that you can just reflect on as you're going through a very serious process that just put a smile on your face and make you feel lucky to be alive. So that's my only advice is just whatever you're going through, everybody goes through something in their lives. Some people go through multiple things. Some people go through very serious things like me, but keep a smile on your face, be positive, and things tend to work out. That's the, that's the, that's my checkmark advice for today. And 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 you got to experience all this. So yeah, all now part, twice. All part of the magical experience we call life. Right. Exactly. So uh, so we have a great guest, Anand Agwala, the co-founder and CEO of Spatial. Uh, so uh, you know another remote work startup in the headlines this week. Katmai raised 22 million and came out of stealth with a, an interesting approach to a 3D virtual world. I'll get into that as we uh, uh, start talking about the week's news. So big, big news for me this week, guys. I'm going to try and do two weekly roundups, one for XR. And again, we'll be talking about uh, Katmai in a second. And the other is about AI. Mm. So I sort of feel like AI is taking over my life. Uh, it wasn't something that I wanted. It wasn't something that I totally expected, but I am trying to relax and lean into it because like the rest of the world, I really don't have a choice. My choice would be to withdraw, but you cannot resist because uh, change is so much bigger than we are. And as you dig into what's happening with AI, you see that this is the culmination of really decades of work that people have been doing and that most of us have just been going on like us playing in VR and, you know, using other different technologies while way deep in the bowels of uh, computer science, people were trying to figure out how to make machines uh, 
imitate thinking so that they, yeah. so that they could do things that so they could program themselves to do things when we ask. Right. And Rodi, uh, Charlie and I had a, a, an interesting kind of strategic discussion about it yesterday. I'm curious where you weigh in on this. And my sort of instinct was, I think while it's, it's obviously important to be topical and report on the news and where dollars are going and where resources are going, there's also a, a very large component of this just to study, you know, in, in perspective, all what we're really looking at is the advancements of compute, right? We're all of the age that we've seen many, many, many generations of compute and how compute has been applied to the human equation and what humans can and will do with them. Um, the two that were most relevant to me in my life were the desktop um, um, revolution in, in printing, right? In, in desktop publishing and the digital cinematography revolution that I was deeply involved in. And while there's not a direct correlation, I see much more sort of continuum of how the power of silicon and what people figure out how to do with silicon and these days it's with applying various large language models for both visuals and text. Um, this is not as new as people think it is. Like everything has been moving toward this trajectory um, for, for now probably call it 60 years. And we're still, the big change has yet to even really happen because we're still all doing this with traditional binary compute one and zero. And when we apply this to quantum compute and state-based computing, you just wait to see what a chat GPT will be able to do with that type of environment. So, you know, extrapolate 20 years into the future um, with the evolution that's coming. And I think people will look at what's happening now that feels like such a disruptive force, which it is in some ways, is, is only a tiny pinprick of what the big blood rush that's coming is. I don't know if you if you have perspective on that, Roni, but that's kind of my, my yeah, take on it. I mean, very quickly, I, I think we could trace back um, at a minimum to Alan Turing and what they did at Beckley Park to crack mm -hmm. yep. the Nazi Enigma machine. And I think AI is basically, it's AI computational intelligence, especially if you read uh, Alan Turing's work that he thought that computers were conscious and intelligent even back in the 40s, uh, and they were going to turn into these things. We're just seeing it like evolve. It's There's like a Darwinian evolution of compute. But what we're, ha what we're seeing now is this like explosion. Uh, think of it as like a double acceleration, not just a Moore's law, but there's like multiple things compounding. Um, and I think by the end of this decade, we're just going to be in a whole new weird place. Because uh, what's happening is that computing intelligence is passing us in every single skill. And, mm -hmm. and that's probably the angster feeling that this thing is unstoppable, uncontrollable in your way. You can't ignore it as a writer. It's starting to write your columns. Uh, it's going to start to be you in videos. Um, and then, you know, my take is by the end of this decade, uh, it's passed all of us in every way and shape and form. Um, I, I would say this because we, we love to talk about the latest and then we move on. Uh, we need to put like ourselves in the center. And I think uh, some folks out in the valley and some folks in AI are just like putting the AI system itself and its theory and growing it in the center. And we're on the side. And I think people need to be in the center. And if we yeah. need to slow things down and regulate and do whatever we need to do to make our lives better. That's what we need to do. It should be there to make humanity better. And I think that's, that, that is missing a lot from the equation. That may be another podcast, but. Mm. Yeah, regulating AI <clears throat> is certainly a podcast or 10. Because, yeah. because we're really saying, well, can we regulate ourselves? And we've, that seems to be something that we have really lost the ability to do. Although regulation is in the news this week, gentlemen. Because the regulators in the UK have given a big sum down to Microsoft Activision, uh, saying that they did not believe anything that basically they said, Microsoft, we don't believe anything you say. And that the minute this deal closes, you're going to exhibit anti-competitive uh, behavior. So we're not going to let it get that far. So, mm -hmm. um, of course, I, I don't think that will stand up on appeal. They're also calling out Microsoft's growing cloud computing business, but everybody's cloud computing business is growing and that will include games. So I, I, again, I think this is somehow the regulators managed to come in and choose exactly the wrong hill to die on. Yes, totally. <laughs> this is not uh, the mean, fight. Like the fight is like things like <laughs> AI, but like regs, like you have an aerospace and med tech on it. Don't fight about the acquisition thing or what they fought with Facebook buying, um, uh, that exercise company. I mean, that was <laughs> exactly. spending their energy on the wrong things. Right. 
So, uh, you know, so when I hear things like that, I just think we are just so colossally fucked if regulation is going to be really important here. I think we need to look to another <laughs> to another savior, because uh, I just don't think uh, our political systems uh, were built. And these things are the result of hundreds of years of human history. They could not conceive of the scale and the pace of this kind of change. Early, do we have a sensor that adds like the beep afterwards, or are we all good? I think it's okay when I say fuck, it has been so far, but then, you know, we only have like a thousand people listening every week. If it okay. were a hundred thousand, maybe we'd have to do that. I would love that. And we're just on the from... internet. It's okay. Yeah, it's the internet. It's not even cable. It's the internet. That's right. It's the internet. <laughs> and, uh, and I mean, we could all be naked, so. Uh, well, and in not... fact, I mostly am right now, so. Uh. Okay. Um, I'm kind of really picturing in my mind's Friday eye podcast. Ted as like kind of a Stephen Hawking just out of the hospital with sort of wires yeah. and air compressors. Yeah. Let's just say most of the tubes are out, but not all of the tubes are out. <laughs> oh, okay. Thank you. Yeah. It is. Yeah. It is. <laughs> Ted, I think your sense of humor and your good attitude about all of this is actually maybe the best lesson of this podcast. It, 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 it helps so much. And the people that have been around me have been so great. Um, so, you know, it's interesting, Ronnie, when you were talking about putting the humans at the center of AI, because as you were saying that I was reflecting on, you know, being an Appleite for such a long time and taking, you know, a fair amount of the slings of arrow of being someone that's just always been very comfortable in an Apple compute environment. I was thinking as you were saying that, I think that's a big reason why, even though Apple is certainly not a perfect company, but their core ethos seems to be, or has always seemed to be, put the human being that you're trying to enable with these tool sets at the center of the equation and not the tech itself. Use the tech as an enabling tool to make humanity a little more human. Um, and you know, I, I know I'm overstating it, uh, but you know, I'm, I think that, that we're all on some sort of Apple tool doing what we're doing now and it feels comfortable for us, and it's not uh, annoying, and it's not distracting to us. Um, and I think you're right. I think that's maybe a good lesson for all of those purveying all these things, touching the AI conundrum, is you know make sure you look at good design, good thinking, the whole concept of think different, um, be ethically sound, do your best. All those things, you know, for whatever people want to criticize, are very Apple-like things, and people that use Apple Compute tend to be like that. So it's interesting to me that you wouldn't when you were saying that. If if Tim Cook sold his undershirt on eBay, I I believe Ted, you would have it framed in your man cave <laughs> like a famous athlete's. Yeah, I'm more Steve Jobs than Tim Cook. I think Tim, <laughs> Tim Cook has a job of, of pursuing the mantle. All right. Well, Tim Tim that, Cook, you know, I guess, is tainted by humanity, but you still have this athlete-like worship of Apple. That's my I do. I really do. I really do. I and if and athlete was, if you know, if Apple was an athlete, you'd be sitting next to a pair of their old shoes. Yeah, I'll I mean, I, look, I have a collection of every Apple, <laughs> not just Apple computer I've ever owned, but every Apple box of you know, like just sitting in. Oh, you kept the boxes life. too. That oh, is yeah, hardcore. Charlie, so hardcore. Can I, can I add one quick thing? I got interviewed this week about kind of this topic by one of the one of the big papers, but I'll, I'll just say this, Ted, like this sort of hero worship of the athlete. Um, I'm, I was kind of like that with you. I had the first Mac 128K, yeah. all of that. Um, but when you get on the field in the pro game and suddenly your hero athlete decks you and you realize like, no, they're not there to smile at you. They're going to rip your head off and stomp <laughs> your body. <laughs> yeah. So I experienced the other side of what it's like to compete against Oh, sure. Companies yeah. like Apple. So I still do love a lot of what they build, but I, you know, there is another side to it. It's like when your favorite linebacker yeah. is signing an yeah. autograph by the hot dog stand, but it's like ripping your head off on the field. Now that, Welcome <laughs> to the NFL. Now that you've seen it, you can't unsee it. I can't unsee that side of them now. Yeah, I guess that's true. When I worked that's at Disney, true. we used to say that Disney moves like a glacier, incredibly slowly, but unstoppable and crushing everything in its path. Yeah. Yeah. So I think that's pretty, pretty <laughs> good description for some of the tech giants. So I in the news this week. Yeah. Uh, By the way, we love Disney. We love Disney. <laughs> uh, earnings season. And uh, everybody had results that were meh. But guess what? AI is juicing the cloud computing business 
and that covers all sins. Uh, although the company without a cloud computing business seems to have done the best. I don't know if it was because they were the most beaten down, uh, but uh, our friends at Meta with their $4 billion quarterly loss in XR uh, saw their stock go up 10%, mostly on talks about AI and layoffs. So uh, that just goes to show you the rationality of the markets. Um, you know, Reuters uh, Reuters came out with a very contrarian piece that attributed all of these increases in uh, tech company uh, stocks to uh, the cloud computing business covering all sins. So um, pretty uh, interesting stuff in the news there. Uh, let me just quickly go through uh, looking for... Uh, other top stories before we go to Anand. Oh, I want to talk about Katmai, the company that um, just came out of stealth with a, you know, we used to talk about future of work and remote work a lot, Ted. Uh, yes, that, absolutely. That was PR, pre-Roni. Uh, <laughs> but, uh, you know, we were really living our lives remotely then and uh, thinking about it a lot. And there are still a lot of these, let's call them metaverse platforms, if you will, where people can virtually come together, whether it's, you know, through a game console and something like Fortnite Creative or, uh, you know, on a desktop using something like Verbella. Now there's a new desktop product that is browser-based called Catmine. And what they do is instead of worrying a whole lot about making an avatar out of you, and we're going to talk to Spatial in a second, and they really kind of broke ground with some very, very revolutionary photorealistic-ish avatars. But what these guys have done is they basically taken the head of the avatar and they put a little video window in there. So you're navigating around in a 3D environment, but really you're just driving your video window around, if you will. So that when you're finally seated around a table in a virtual conference, you can still do all the workroom stuff like whiteboarding and screen sharing and presentations. Um, but you also are seeing the other people, not their cartoon representation. So uh, they say it leads to increased engagement and more presence. Um, so uh, $22 million will say good luck to them. It's browser-based. So I think that's... Um, uh, you know, a must have at this point, you know, the ones who are not browser based need to figure out how to get there. Charlie, I think the glacier that's coming that we ought to just hint at it for a second. I think there's just a huge amount of rumor and noise right now around what Apple might do in June. Um, yes. But the other really interesting bit that I picked up this week was, um, you know, Meta spending almost 4 billion on reality labs but the word metaverse has been scrubbed from their IR communication language and their paper. And yeah, it's yeah. kind of weird because I, I saw like some of the high ups uh, debating uh, online about it. It's like, yes, we still believe in the word we can't talk about. So right. the interesting thing is they're spending the money, yes. four billion a quarter. 12 billion a year. 12 billion a year. No, no, four billion a quarter is moving to sixteen billion. A oh, year. sixteen billion a year. Sorry, it was actually I think it was like a, last year it was three point seven five. And uh, he even said on the earnings call they have they're not looking away from the metaverse. They're committed to it for the I don't know umpteenth hundred times. Did he use the word though, or he said something? Yeah, I don't know no, he used the word. word. He, okay. he used the word. He used the word, but not a lot. And in that one specific moment when he wasn't talking about efficiency and AI. Uh, he reiterated their commitment. Um, it looks like Reality Labs was not spared from the last uh, riff uh, reduction in force at Meta, but uh, it doesn't. They still spent almost four billion in Q1. It didn't sound like everybody was getting all alarmist because uh, Ready at Dawn and their downpour, their other recent software company that they acquired at Reality Labs, have uh, seen some big layoffs. But you know, these are relatively small companies that are losing, you know, 40, 50 people. So uh, I don't think that I think people at Instagram and WhatsApp may take, except Facebook may take <laughs> exception to what uh, some hard, hard layoffs are, because, uh, you know, there are tens of thousands of people out of work at those companies, mostly in the legacy businesses. Yeah, when what's interesting is, Charlie, you and I have been talking, it just feels like a really long time about my concern about nomenclature overtaking the real progress of how compute stack and UI move forward. And when, you know, and look, Roni, you and I are good friends with Neil, right? Who created the terminology metaverse through colloquialism, right? And, and a novel. Um, but it was like everybody glommed onto this word and started to put a self-importance on it 
including one of the most profitable companies in the world, decided to change their whole name of their company and their whole mantra to sort of fit into this word that had less meaning than what was trying to be built underneath it, which isn't summed up by a word. It's just the advancement of how we use compute, computer graphics and interoperability. And that's going to be used in many, many ways, which we're seeing. And our guest that we'll have on the show in a few minutes is one of those little spikes in that giant you know, iron ball of millions and millions of spikes that are gonna make up what feels like some fabric that's linked together. But at the end of the day, what we're really talking about is the word is meaningless, but what, the, what people are trying to do with the, how we you know, evolve what we call the internet and make it more sophisticated, um, we're doing it right now with advanced video communication tool set that um, you know, came from a brethren of others but this one happens to work really well. Um, and it won't be here forever. Um, you know, we've seen the evolution of things like AOL to Yahoo to Google and what's potentially coming next with the various chat bots and chat devices using large language models. Everything is this thing that somehow got glommed onto this word called the metaverse. And truthfully, that was just a huge tactical error um, that even meta themselves has to now back away from. Right? It doesn't mean they're not going to do the work to compete in the world of what advanced compute is over the next couple decades. It's just, I think even Zuckerberg realized he made a mistake. He got sucked in to the moment. Um, and I, I don't know if you guys agree or disagree, but I've been professing for a long time. The nomenclature is a fool's errand. The real work below it yeah. is not. And, you know, is Meta doing the real work at $4 billion a quarter? Mm, you know, I think they tend to overspend. Um, they're not particularly efficient at what they accomplish. And we've seen that with Horizons and all the other pieces and parts, but they are doing a spend, right? And they're putting resources against evolving compute. So we'll I, I, have said, I have said many times, I have very mixed feelings about this company, but one thing is certain, had it not been for their acquisition of Oculus and Zuckerberg's ongoing commitment to yeah. this emerging medium, I very much doubt that the three of us would be on this call right now. Yeah, so, so, you know, I think we have to have... Uh, gratitude along with our extreme trepidation uh, mm -hmm. and again understand this extraordinary moment and what a historic person and company Zuckerberg and and Facebook and and everything else he's created is so uh, let me hit two stories real quick and then let's get Anand in here um I just want to because this AI thing is so interesting these guys at human showed off a, a wearable AI at Ted uh that was super interesting and it had a a projector so you sort of hold up your hand if you need images um, but otherwise it's just talking to you um, so that's really incredibly cool there's a a, a company that is a new unicorn raised almost a hundred billion dollars replit it does um coding with ai a hundred billion charlie is that right no the no B, the they B, were B? no 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 hundred million 100 million. Okay, just making sure. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, 100 million. Uh, and then there's another uh, company called Hugging Face. Uh, I had not heard of Hugging Face before. It's a competitor to ChatGPT. It was built uh, a little less expensively using slightly different methods, but apparently uh, gets very good results also. So, and I think they're open source. Like, I think yes, they're, they are uh, open source. Culturally, I think they're trying to be like the Red Hat maybe of this yeah, yeah it's got the some of all this it's it's got some elements of uh github yeah so uh with all that said let us bring in our friend anand where is he there he is hello sirs anand, how are you we kept you waiting i'm so sorry no worries this is Ted's show, first show back after having open heart surgery. Yeah, yeah. hanging on. Hey, Ted, how you doing? How, how you? It, how's the recovery? It's I'm recovering and I'm on a on I'm on a podcast, so you know <laughs> life could be worse. Um, but uh, I'm I've, I'm a huge fan of what you have been doing through the whole trajectory of your company. We've used it a lot. We've tested a lot. In fact, there's been a connection between what Roni did with Magic Leap, what you did with Spatial, and your support of that platform, and me being very encouraging that this is the future of studying and looking at assets together in a spatial environment. Um, and uh, I've watched you sort of, you both you and Roni kind of roll with the thundering waves of all of this crazy sort of, you know, how do we get new devices into a more dynamic, um, useful place? 
So I'm very curious to, to chat with you. And I'm, I know Charlie and Roni are as well to hear what the latest is with you. Same and, and great to, to, to see again. And, and Roni, bow down. You're an OG, you know, what you've done for the space <laughs> is so cool. And, and that's great really meeting cool you. Meet you as well. You too. You too. Just a big fan of your work. Oh, I'm, I can't believe you guys have never spoken. I thought you were like simpatico because uh, when, you know, the um, spatial launched, <clears throat> they were super de duper focused on mixed reality. I yeah, mean, very much a so. Totally different idea from what it is now. And they were banking banking on both Magic Leap and, and the HoloLens um, to um, help lift their boat. And uh, it turned out to be a completely different world. And then the pandemic hit. And man, you guys have pivoted a lot. You must yeah. be tired. <laughs> <laughs> it's like we do that. We have a joke like like uh, you're a basketball player. You're like, do one pivot, another pivot, another pivot. And then we shot. <laughs> we shot our shot on the third pivot. Yeah, no, it's the, the, you know, it's, it's funny, like we have been four companies like, uh, and I think we finally found our, our final form, um, you know, we started off as AR kind of research lab, almost as you as you mentioned, kind of Xerox Park for for a AR software, uh, trying to figure out what those kind of killer software experiences were. And then, um, then COVID hit and, and nobody had an AR headset, uh, or not and enough then people the quest had launched. And yeah, then exactly. The yeah, exactly. And then so the volume, you know, like the volume of that headset was crazy. So we're like, okay, we got a port to this thing. Um, and then uh, and then NFTs became hot. And uh, basically, you know, we just followed what the users were doing with the platform anyway. So like people started building virtual galleries and virtual spaces. So it's like, okay, you know, um, let's support this thing. And then our, you know, kind of where we are today, which is that same kind of uh, accessible platform that supports VR, mobile and web. Uh, but turning it like giving it away you're kind of enabling you letting creators use it to basically be a youtube of the metaverse instantly publish uh these immersive rich gaming experiences i love that you know one of the distinguishing things i think about spatial was you know now we're going back to did we meet at the end of 2017 or the beginning of 2018 it's it was a while ago it was a uh, while well <laughs> so uh yeah we're old friends now it's like uh, our friendship is going to be the exact same age as your company just I know. <laughs> so I thought one of the prescient things about it uh, was that you were talking about cross-platform interoperability before anybody else was even really using that word, right? Fortnite was really just a, a little video game that was gaining popularity. No one was thinking that there were going to be like, we were going to navigate um, in uh, XR the way we do in video games, which is kind of a, a point of view now about the web that they'll people will want to navigate it somehow like a video game, which mm -hmm. let's not go down that rabbit hole. But I think you intuited that it's it, all these devices have to lead to a common space that we share, right? So that it's no longer about the device. It's really about the place and the interaction and what we do there. That well, place called the metaverse. <laughs> well, maybe. I think, I think, you know, that lesson was learned the hard way with Bumptop, my first startup, um, because we built this 3D desktop on your PC, on your on your Mac and PC, and then mobile happened, and we, like, we had all the C++ code that wouldn't run on mobile. It, you don't need a desktop on mobile necessarily, and it was just like, oh, my God, we just became obsolete overnight, and so that lesson is, like, burned into me. I'm like, I'm not, we're not doing that again. We don't know which platform's going to win. But we know it's going to, you know, we, we, we can abstract away a couple things. We know it's going to be immersive. We know it's going to run Andro some flavor of Android or iOS. Um, you know, we know it's going to, you know, like have a some sort of pointing device that will abstract to like a, you know, 3D pointing cursor thing. And so we really tried to like, you know, it was an engineering challenge initially. And, and we know that like you're going to, as we evolve the platform, we know that people are going to want to also access that same world for mobile and desktop. Like those aren't really going away. So with that in mind, we kind of just like tried not to i mean we we supported Unreal, you know we we supported like xr2 like um we, we supported a bunch of different headsets along the way and and you know um and so we you know we tried to really stay nimble because like we knew we're early days can't pick a winner uh and want to stay flexible and uh, yeah learned that lesson the hard way did not want well, yeah, to become obsolete overnight i was a big fan of that because not only were you talking about it and saying you were going to do it you actually did it you actually put um, you know, because we were doing some testing where I was primarily using an ML1 as a tool set. We had other developers in our world using a Quest, other developers on a traditional Mac, um, and they were all interopping in a communication environment um, to sort of test out what the idea of 
doesn't matter what device you have, doesn't matter if it's more VR focused or MR focused or PC traditional screen focused, you can all sort of live in the same world together and share comms and share assets. And I know there's a lot of duplication of services, a lot of companies that have tried this and sort of figured it out, but you were one of the earliest ones that kind of put the stack together in a way that it actually worked. Um, and I think, you know, I was a big fan of it. I was like, this is going to be something. It's just, it, what I always learn is that the traction of early adoption and early understanding where things are going for early companies, it just takes way longer for any kind of traditional consumer adoption to take place. But we were doing it in a combination of mixed reality, virtual reality, and traditional screen reality uh, for a period of time. Uh, and I was, I was, you know, a big protagonist of it. I thought it was great. Yeah, I mean, I think, you know, part of it too is just like being our biggest user, our, our own biggest user and just realizing like, you know, or, or when we give demos to folks, you know, like there'd be folks in some Fortune 500 and, you know, some city and they'd be, it'd be time for a demo. There's like 10, 15 people meant to be in it. And, oh crap, two people forgot to charge their headset. And it's like, mm -hmm. okay, well, are they cut from the meeting? And so it's, you know what I mean? Like that, like, or their battery's dying halfway through, right? So like just that ability. And if yeah. you think about it, like we're like, it's- Well, look, I'm late for a meeting. I got to hop out. I got to go. So you want them to at least have some audio presence or some way to continue the dialogue, right? Anand, one of the things to think about is like, uh, if you look at Epic, probably worth 20, 30, 40 billion, I don't know, 500 60, million. 60, 90, 100 billion, keep going. But but here's the thing. Tim Sweeney started this thing in 1991. Yeah. And I'm sure like Epic and, you know, think about how many years you've been around as a company. You know, so maybe you're Epic 1996. How much, so I think survivability in this ever-changing world of computing mm. And probably the longest, have you ever been to Epic? It's like they had like floppy disks in a plastic bag and then hard disks in a three and a half and then the internet and then all the, and then phones and tablets and then, oh, it's cloud-based multi-user gaming worlds, metaverse -y. So the, the brilliant thing about someone like Tim and Epic is just the survivability and adaptability. And they didn't become a company VCs really cared about probably for a really long time. I know, I know that doesn't sound like, uh, what what most startups want, like I'm going to be really big in like three years and, and take off like Google or Facebook. But the the real reality of of many interesting durable companies, they just have this very long road in the desert. That Ted was hinting at it, and Epic is a great example. Like if you want to ultimately build something kind of amazing, well let's a, let's uh, let's not go blow Roni's horn too loudly, but Mako Robotics, long road in the desert. It was uh, yeah. I mean that was another. <laughs> overnight success that took 10 years well, yeah, but it's like, like, like like gear up for the long haul and the all the changes and you know people call them pivoting i mean how many times did epic pivot from floppy to hardness to this thing to yeah. that thing that's just called staying alive long enough yep. to build something great yeah and let's roni let's put it this way you and i have been to epic headquarters a number of times what i can tell you for sure is tim cook drove an old crappy corolla for a really really long time before he bought his first McLaren, like a really, really long time. Um, and, and, you know, he's that kind of guy, like he understands what it took to get there. Um, in the end equation, he's going to be a good person to be a mentor for a lot of companies that have high aspirations and want to do something novel and new and, and break ground. But, you know, you, you got a cockroach in and you got to dig in hard. <laughs> and, and I think, you know, you've proven that You've been able to do that in a certain form. So, you know, I think we're giving you a lot of kudos here. Yes, sir. So, and I, I don't think your pivots are done. My guess is in yep. the 20s. <laughs> I, I don't think so. Everything either, used to be will come back together again like a caterpillar. It'll be like <laughs> all the things you pivoted away will all come together. Like, wait, AR is big again and VR. And oh my God, <laughs> got to mush it all back. And what's the next one? Can you tell me? It did become something. What is? Can you, can you tell me what the next pivot is so we can just get ready in advance? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I like it's evolution, by the way. Yeah, go ahead. I think you really need to understand how AI is going to reshape your company. Yes. Yep. yep. That I one's think... a big, big wave coming. Sorry. I made it a, a second weekly uh, news roundup called uh, AI Weekly, uh, just because I, I honestly, I'm not sure people are going to be so interested in what I have to say about the uh, metaverse and immersive technologies over the next few years. I think we're going to be talking about something else. There's a good, there's a good meme, like, uh, you know, like the guy looking at the other girl meme, like of Zuckerberg. Right. <laughs> yes, and it's like, and I, did you see that one? It's like VR is behind him. And then he's like, there's one with VR or AR or it's AR. Yeah, behind AI him, is AR the new hot girl. 
<laughs> but no, it's a hundred. I mean, I, I completely agree. I mean, we are trying to like be an incredible platform for creators to publish and share their stuff using the, the kind of platform we built, you know, on the backs of enterprises for the last six years um, and, and make that easier. But the thing that's really going to dramatically lower that bar to entry is AI, right? That holy grail of like, give me a racing game where I'm racing sheep and there's like, you know, or like, give me a oh, Harry this Potter. Is, this was my next question that you're anticipating um, because your company now, and I also want to get back to the avatar thing, which you guys had such great breakthrough avatars. Uh, it was one of the biggest, oh, wows in the metaverse for a long time was uh, watching spatial create your photo realistic ish avatar uh and then your third or fourth time you return you realize you're looking at a corpse and maybe that's not <laughs> ideal uh, but uh and and now you have all sorts of avatars people can use so it's not uh limited to the one oh wow moment but my god people went crazy when they saw those avatars the first time so that was probably the most brilliant marketing move anyone made uh, in early days i thought but i wanted to get back to this idea of ai interacting because now you're a world building platform people can mm -hmm. build worlds uh in unity uh and i i guess pretty much you you've you've streamlined the upload so i, I would i think mm -hmm. it looks to me like it's a little easier than using udon for vr chat Crazy easy. I mean, it, any and any of the five million Unity developers out there can just open up Unity, hit publish, and they instantly yeah. get multiplayer for free. It's hosted, no right. network code. It avatar runs systems, web, mobile VR. Yeah, they get all the avatars. We're launching a marketplace soon, so they can monetize. There's a discovery engine. Um, we have like a and all the good. Like if you know how to write Unity UI, if you know how to write Unity vehicles, all that stuff just kind of carries over. All the Unity asset store right. stuff. So exciting. Uh, so question AI, right? So you yeah. built this wonderful thing. We're all really excited about it. Along comes AI. Now I've been having an ongoing, let's call it discussion with Alvin Grayland, who turns up on every panel I moderate, no matter what <laughs> Alvin is on the panel. Uh, for I, I adore the guy and he is always introducing new ideas to me. And this one started last year at AWE. We are going to talk the metaverse into existence using generative AI. I'm actually going to write a story about this if I can gather enough facts other than Alvin just asserting it. Yep. Is there more to it? Are we going to do that? And how will that come about? Well, I think, yeah, great question. And I think like, you know, linking it almost to the thing we were saying earlier is like, is this the, is AI the thing that obsoletes my company, like bumped up, like where mobile comes that you like, you know, like I was saying like, okay, the future is going to be Android or iOS. It's going to be, I'm imagining this immersive device, but AI is so radically different. Um, I think, I mean, you know, one thing I would say is like what Tim Sweeney would say is, hey, there's the metaverse is already here. There's 600 million monthly players on Fortnite, Roblox and uh, Minecraft kind of thing. But that said, um, the creation element is like, you know, one of the things that I think powers Minecraft, for example, is anybody can create it. It's so dead easy, um, right? And I think it's, it's built right into the experience. If we can lower that bar to entry now, there are some challenges in front of us, right? I think there's like a couple buckets. I think there's the content creation problem of 3D. I think that's going to be pretty hard. I think that's going to take a while to kind of sort out building 3D meshes. You can do textures and stuff like that, but and skyboxes. But I think the real kind of 3D, I feel like that's a couple of years out. The interactivity piece, though, I think we can solve sooner, right? Like the, the like, give me, a, you know, give me a FPS game and everybody is like, I don't know, like celebrities from or is Kardashians. You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> so like, at like, I think the Kardashian piece, you'd have to maybe do yourself. But if you can um, use the if you can use your words to program, you know what I mean? Because I think that's more tractable. I mean, that's kind of what github copilot and you know something like you've seen the like the flappy bird example of gpt that is the thing that i think can be solved and unlocked earlier the good thing too is that like you know we're unity based so unity's building that into the you know client as well um as is fortnite as is roblox i mean it's going to be really interesting I and mean, there's kind of a ai arms race happening where like i mean probably in a year you know roblox fortnite spatial unity are going to have generate like you can just generate your game by writing stuff so then you're going to have like a youtube i think a youtube style effect where it democratizes makes super easy to create and now now who like so huge long tail of content emerges and then how do the winners kind of you know come you know emerge from that like who knew that like if you told i mean you're you're you've got a background in media if you if we told you when you're making lion king that the biggest people on the internet are going to be people just like talking to the webcam you know what i mean like streamers <laughs> and, and stuff like that like the production I, values I, of that. I, I don't think back then most of us were thinking much beyond email and yeah. what do we do because we're all on email but our boss is not 
So we were literally printing emails and sending them in inter-office <laughs> mail envelopes. So I would say we were uh, we're pretty primitive then kind of um, original Mac kind of shop. Uh, and, and of course, you couldn't get original Mac until the Sperry they forced you to have, which was a DOS-based system. That was my first computer at Disney was a Sperry, and it was DOS-based. Uh, and had a dot matrix printer with paper feeder uh, and everything. <laughs> so that's that's how far things have come in the course of my career. It's kind of crazy to be thinking about you're talking a movie like The Lion King into existence in in a day or a week uh, when that movie took you know a thousand people five years to make. Yeah, I mean, what does that do to the content landscape too, right? Because like, I mean, man, the stuff from Mid Journey V5 is so incredible. Like, how do you- I like... think we're just at the beginning there too. Yeah, yeah. So what does the best content look like? Like, are we all just watching millions of different feeds that are super personalized? Or like, you know, what is the next Star Wars or what is the next kind of iconic uh, franchise? Anand, I think, I think what um, my, my take on it is that we're going to conquer some of the existent uh, content pretty quickly. like. Like kids with with uh, various forms of AI are going to be able to make like short films, music, things that we do like really fast and and really well. But um, the, the, like these spatial worlds, which is like bringing it back to what you do, I think to do those things at the quality level that like Marvel does a film or the quality of like of an Avatar, you know, think about how vast the worlds could be. You probably need millions of people per project. Right. If you want to extend like a three-hour Marvel movie into an, a, a world that's rich and filled with life and all this stuff. So I think what's going to be interesting is like AI will help us do those things, next level things that no one's ever seen. That's when it gets really interesting because, yeah, it'll be able to do the old stuff really fast, but we need it to do new things. And I think like exotic, exquisite world building, like think about like, like I don't know, 8,000 people took a decade to make the next Avatar. So what if a team of 100 kids can not only make that film, but actually make that whole world and it's rich with life and it's full of sentience? Like that's where AI really gets used. That That's yeah. where we just like, and I think that's where people have to go because we just stick to the old things we were, I mean, they'll still be like, like vinyl. They'll be like, oh, I made a film on 60 millimeter. Great. But I think like it's going to be used to do what you're doing, right? I think things like spatial are the step for where all this amazing stuff is going to happen. And if you harness an AI properly, then then these worlds are not like Nintendo graphics. Like I think what we want to get to is like something like a Pandora, like the thing you saw in the movie, but everywhere all the time. Like that is worth it. And that takes a lot of compute. That's going to take a lot of energy. And that's not just in, in grasp like this. That's that's where real thoughts going to have to go. That's my take. And I'm working on stuff like that too. So I'm biased. Oh. Well, let's talk. <laughs> so, um, I don't, I don't, Rody doesn't like to talk about his his projects are top secret. Top, but I'm not, top secret. my take is, I think this is like the most interesting use case, right? Like to get to that real amazing level of quality and richness, and that that's where AI can be harnessed to just do the the coolest things. Or it could go crazy like a Doctor Strange. I think there's by like three paths where AI does good stuff for humanity. And then like 8 million paths where like really bad things happen. So we kind of need to harness it to go down the good way. Well, also, you know, as you guys are talking about this, there's already a lens we can look at and study that under that, that teaches us what happens when media creation tools overtake the ability of the eyeballs and the brains of the planet of the ability to watch all the media that's created, right? So mm -hmm. we can study this in reverse through the evolution of YouTube and the unbelievable amount of media that has been generated continues to be generated and the ultimately extraordinarily tiny amount of that media that either a goes viral becomes a commercial success becomes a brand in and of itself um it's you know it's a it's a sliding scale that on the order of magnitude no one had ever seen before with media right and ai is going to put another layer of that on where people can sort of generate anything they want, create anything they want, with Tarone's point, uh, a far more efficient resource tree and a lot less human need. But at the end of the day, a hit is a hit and almost everything is a miss and occasionally something is a hit. And certain companies know that you can put the talent in place, put a budget in place, 
put a marketing team in place to generate eyeballs, right? But even there, there are lots of cracks in that armor, right? And we see that. But with the evolution of what's going to come with the kind of connectivity of AI and all of its forms and media, you're going to see yet another explosion of the biggest gigantic library on planet Earth that people will go into and look around and go, oh my God, where do I even start? And that's not even a day to day, oh my God, where do I even start? It's an almost like minute to minute, almost second by second, oh my God, look at what has been created uh, in the last 45 seconds, where do I even start? Um, and that's an interesting sort of part of kind of cultural relevance, right? Um, we, you know, Roni and Charlie and I can all go back to the memories of when we had three channels of TV and we knew what we were gonna watch at eight o'clock, you know, the three of us. Uh, and on, on a Tuesday Nothing night. was ever on. And, on. <laughs> <laughs> and we're, you know, and, and it just exponentially increases. So I don't think, I don't think we have to go far to learn what has happened when the ability to make tools that can make media, um, make things so easy that we make way more media than any individual human or truthfully any population of humans could ever consume in their lifetimes. Um, and that's an interesting sort of perspective, I think. We're kind of there already with the amount of content on YouTube and TikTok, right? I mean, I feel like they're already kind of trying to surface up and like these recommendation algorithms are taking this massive corpus of, you know, media and like trying to like based on your preferences. And then, I mean, I suppose like when, I mean, I've heard about the kind of hyper-personalized media, like when I'm watching Star Wars, I'm going to be one of the characters or, you know what I mean? Or it's like, it's going to tune it to like my interests and that too. So maybe it's like a, a dynamic, there's a dynamic media piece as well. Yeah. It's going to be a crazy world. So we're coming up uh, toward the end of our show, uh, Anand, and uh, um, so I apologize for that. We were a little late, and uh, there's so many things I, I want to talk about, but let's just bring it back to spatial as we wind up here. Um, mm -hmm. So I got the reason and the rationale behind pivoting to NFTs. Uh, you guys had a relationship with OpenSea. You were generating revenue through, I guess, commissions and revenue sharing for all the galleries that you were spinning up and, and managing uh, for, for different uh artists and, and organizations is first of all is that still a business for you it's you know it still works like people still come to spatial and um they still build galleries we still have uh nft or token gating we still have uh, metamask login um mm -hmm. but it's not it's not the primary focus i think the primary focus is this kind of modern ugc platform uh ugc gaming platform so, oh, interesting. And interesting that you qualified it by saying gaming, because it's not just people creating uh, user-generated places for, you know, at the beginning, it was like meetings and training and, yep. you know, classes and that sort of thing. Um, but now you're saying it's being used more for games and entertainment. Yeah, I mean, I think what we've seen, and again, like we, in some ways, like we've kind of been the, like, creating the platform and then seeing what users do and then following, you know, following right. what they're doing with it kind of thing. And <laughs> so like, you know, when NFT was, you know, when, when web three was hot, people were building NFT galleries are like, okay, let's support this and, and see how far this goes. Right. And so now the thing, like before we had, we didn't really support, we, our unity SDK launched in December. So it's only been a couple months where people are already hacking in like ability to fly or ability to like, you know, collect coins and wait, like, you know, level up and rewards and all these kind of gaming systems and, you know, changing your avatar. Like they were just hacking it in and it was really beautiful to see. So we're like, okay, enough is enough. Let's support this properly. Like they were creating NPCs. Like they would just literally have computers in spatial walking around and stuff like that. And so it's like, okay, let's, let's support this properly. We can see how big this goes. Like if we look at the, you know, kind of, million user to 100 million user uh, monthly user metaverses like uh, VR chat Zepetto, uh, you know, uh, Rec Room, Roblox, uh, etc. They're all driven by pretty rich interactivity and very ga fairly game-like. And so that was the, you know, that was the hunch. We put that out in December. It's really gone like wildfire. I mean, the kind of spaces people are making now is just so inspiring. Um, and it is, I think that the, the gaming pieces that like, we want to be a platform that people kind of continuously come back to. And, and that is a gaming is that piece that is like a daily use case for folks. And, and also what people are building on, I think like, you know, 
the like the, the the meetings use case, for example, the holographic meetings things, that's like a once a week, twice a week kind of thing, right? Um, the Web3, you know, or events-based stuff, that is also a challenge. People still use it for that. We're still a great platform for that. But like where our juice is right now is like that, um, you know, a modern, uh, you know, highly accessible, really beautiful graphics um, uh, metaverse platform, UGC metaverse platform. Charlie, we lost your voice. My dogs were going crazy for a second there, so I had to put put it on mute. I, I think they're excited about the new vision. A very <laughs> professional studio setup and on. <laughs> I know he's he's got us beat. We're 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 a bunch of pikers here, but somehow nobody's complaining about Does our. My Zoom. voice sound good. You've got the, the SM7. That's a great mic. Looks well, good. this is the is that the it's the smaller one, not the big. Well, oh, the smaller one. Okay. I've, I've got my know. sure mic here as well. Okay. Roni has, I said Roni one that looked like a belongs in it. There we go. Oh, nice. It's the 1930 style one. Hello. Oh, gee. So um, last question. Uh, you know, it, it seems to me that, and uh, that it's expensive to host all of this content. Um, so have you sort of ended up in the cloud hosting business by mistake? <laughs> it's not that bad you know funny enough the streaming like video streaming of like uh, webcams like webrtc is way more expensive like uh, that's the, the you know the, the much higher cost like we've it's not too bad to be honest i mean because what you're sending across in a game is just like it's not a huge video frames at 30 fps it's like just points of, of movement right. so it's certainly a cost but it's not like you know that's not our limited, like our development costs are higher, for example, right? Like, and, and you know, our eventually like content creation, that sort of stuff, that stuff is is more so. So yeah, it's not too bad. I mean, I think like, I think things have become so efficient, you know, with like AWS, GCP, like it's just really easy to kind of wrap that stuff, even Photon, right? Like the, the buried entry, like when we started, we had to build, we had to find something to do our network you know, like we, we the, the amount of stuff you had to do when you're trying to create an immersive experience 10 years ago was way higher, right? Um, and, and and that barrier just kind of kind of keeps dropping. And with something like spatial, you, we, we keep moving to that point of just let the creators just create, right? And let them just kind of live in their imagination and world build. And so spatial's trying to do that. No, you, you know, like you don't have to worry about network code. You can just kind of just get in, go into Unity and start building, creating. And even before that, you could drag in a, a 3D file format gltf whatever and it comes to life it's hosted it's immersive and so yeah that barrier kind of keeps dropping we want to keep kind of driving that to zero but yeah i mean it, yeah and in terms of the hosting stuff it's we are we are actually yeah it, it, we are kind of like aws for the metaverse in a way like it, it you know it's just like hey throw your stuff up it's hosted um we'll take care of you know keeping the servers on and good uptime and all that stuff so uh, a great value for anybody who's considering building in the metaverse Anand, thank you for coming on the show. Great to see you. Always a fascinating chat. Yeah. Uh, pleasure to be Roni, a pleasure. Ted, Get gratitude. Well gratitude yeah. thank you guys. for your good health and your good humor and being with us this morning. And uh, have a great weekend, everybody. We'll see you next Friday. Good chatting with everybody. Thanks. Bye.